Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 45 with Josh Munns of Ground Up Construct. And Josh is doing some really important work in the industry right now. And it's all about the talent pool and training and hiring and keeping good people. I know that's a big challenge for a lot of you right now. So in this episode, we dive into one culture. How do you define your culture? How do you improve your culture? And what are some steps you can do that really make that kind of a magnet for these great employees? And then we dive into the world of training and how you know trade schools and kind of formalized training isn't going to get the job done. And we need to take ownership of this and put it on ourselves. And so we come up with and talk about a few great actionable tips that you can take there as well. I think you'll get a ton out of this episode. So stay tuned for episode 45 with Josh Munns. Hey, Josh. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited because you are doing some very important work for the industry right now um, as a part of Ground Up Construct, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show. And and I like to always start with kind of the backstory and how you got into the construction space. And I think it was uh, it was your mom, right, that built up this construction business and then you ended up getting involved at some point. Yeah, I've got a, uh, you know, a strange background to say the least, you know, most, um, you know, you think construction, you think men, you think, you know, the, it's a manly industry. Women have kind of, you know, not really been a huge part of construction and unfortunately it's still kind of been the case. But in 1983, um, I was four years old and, and my mom was working for a, a competitive for another glazing company in Reno and um, was getting harassed by one of the workers that worked there. He actually ended up breaking into our house and uh, the cops were called and wow. I ended up arresting him. And I, it's one of my first memories I have. <laughs> great, great first one, right? <laughs> yeah. She went to work the next day and was like, hey, you know, this this guy, you know, one of the glazers broke in and came to our house and is arrested. And, and the owner literally told her, you know, I don't want to deal with your personal problems. You guys keep it out of business. And, and that was it. And so she couldn't work there anymore. She was literally forced to to quit. Wow. And didn't know what to do. You know, she she didn't graduate high school, um, didn't graduate, didn't go to college, um, had, you know, a son at 19. She was, at the time now, she was 23 and um, didn't know what to do. So she's like, you know, I can go sell windows. I can, I can go knock on doors. And so <laughs> she borrowed a couple thousand bucks from my grandpa and started selling windows. And that flourished into a company of over 120 employees and in 2006, 2007, over 25 million in sales annually. And uh, I grew up in that. I grew up watching her start from nothing to to having that success. And then we all know what happened in 2008. But <laughs> that's another story for another time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, to to go from literally ground zero and and to build it up to to that size. And uh, yeah, sometimes like what seems like something super unfortunate in the moment can turn into something incredible down the road. And so you're not grateful for it until later. <laughs> but, uh, it just yeah. goes to show there, there's a lot of opportunity in the construction industry and um, it just takes hard work and, and dedication and you can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you kind of referenced the, the downturn. So I'm assuming there was 
there was a dip and so, something happened there. But um, isn't that about like when you kind of got involved a little more heavily with the company and uh, and took it from there? Kind of. It is. Yeah, I actually, I actually decided to come to work for the company. You know, there was a lot of pride in what she had built. Um, you know, the window business wasn't always my passion, but um, construction was. I love construction. Grew up building houses as a family. And um, I came into the business in 2007, flourishing business, more sales we could handle, more people. You know, it was an amazing time to be in the industry. And then Reno was hit probably, you know, one of the hardest in the country. Um, and yeah. we, ended up, we ended up in, in less than 18 months dropping down to less than 30 employees and, and less than 3 million in sales. We had companies go bankrupt on us. Wow. We had um, just disaster stricken when we lost millions of dollars. But luckily, she was a very smart businesswoman and was able to um, keep the doors open because we she didn't leverage everything. She only bought things we could afford. We bought trucks with cash um, from the business operations. We didn't finance a lot of things. So when the downturn hit, we owned all of our equipment. So we were able to scale back. And that's really what I first started in my company was scaling back and figuring out which people were best to keep, how we were going to structure the company and continue to keep as many people as we can with us. You know, she had created amazing opportunities and careers for people. And uh, we didn't want to lose our team. We had, she had people who worked for her for over 20 years at that point. And so we really struggled with who we could keep and who we couldn't and, and fought through. And, and luckily we, we made it. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure there were some really tough decisions made around people, you know, during that time. But uh, super cool and definitely a conversation for another time. But just buying all the you know equipment and cash trucks and cash you know so being able to weather a storm like that and obviously we hope to not see another one of those situations in our lifetime but you never know and so setting yourself up um yeah i mean i'm sure you were one of a few in the area to kind of come out and uh and make it out okay um so i'm kind of curious you know, you said you had, there were a bunch of people that have been there for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years, you know, what do you think was it about the culture, the environment, the opportunities that, that led to that? Cause that doesn't just happen. Right. I mean, sometimes it does with one or two people, but, but to have, you know, a bunch of people are going, man, I don't want to lose any of these people because you know, they're amazing and they've been here for so long. Yeah. She, you know, something I learned early on when it was through the company and it was, and it was through the leaders of the company is that she cared about the people that she had. She cared about her employees and, and we provided a lot of opportunity. Most of our employees all started with us in entry level positions and they learned the, the business and they grew with the business and they stayed because they were treated well. They stayed because we had a good culture. They stayed because they showed, we showed them an opportunity to grow their careers, taking somebody from, you know, somebody working in the shop making screens you know, who currently now is today running our commercial department. Um, you know, and this is now, he's been in the company 22 years now, um, and he's still there today. And, awesome. uh, and he was able to build a career there. And so showing those opportunities, training from within, creating that loyalty through culture is what, you know, really built the careers that we had to offer. And this is before careers were even a conversation in construction. As we know, for years, construction was, you know, seasonal or, uh, you know, hard work, you know, you didn't have benefits, you didn't have vacation. That's something that she did early on. Took very good care of employees through 401k, profit sharing programs. Every year at Christmas parties, there were bonuses handed out based on the profitability of the company, retirement plans, vacation, uh, you name it. And and so we were building careers in that company, you know, before, as today, now it's a sexy word and we're all talking about it because we need people in our industry. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, the career piece of it is super powerful, like being able to show somebody that path and what that looks like. Um, maybe I'd like to explore that a little bit and then dive into some other pieces of the word culture, because I think that's thrown around today. Uh, you know, you, you hear that a lot. But I guess, you know, for companies that maybe are a little bit smaller or, you know, maybe it's tough to define that career path early on. Maybe you have five guys, six guys, you know, I guess maybe you can speak to that a little bit. How, how would you approach that situation? Obviously when you're a larger company and you can go, yeah, we've got, you know, this ladder of five moves you can make. It's a little more defined, but how do you create that when you're just getting started? It, it, it's really hard. And I do think that there's a benefit to being in a smaller company. I think, you know, a lot of people see having a smaller company as maybe a detriment to attracting or finding people. But if you have a mindset of wanting to grow your business and you have a mindset of wanting to take your company to the next level, then you can provide those opportunities because you need to create that succession plan. You need to say, this is our plan for the next five years. We want to grow in these segments of our business. And by doing that, we're going to need these people. And if we need to bring in more people, then that gives you an opportunity to be training or to go into that next path. And so in a small company, you have the ability to show, show those careers and actually provide even a better culture because it's more of a family business at that point in time. When you get into some large companies, they can have a great culture, but you still feel like a number, right? You still sure. feel like just, just a number on a spreadsheet where when you're in a smaller company, we were a small company for a long time. You know, she didn't grow the business overnight. Uh, we used to have beach barbecues on the weekends and, you know, all the companies, all the employees would come. There'd be 10 or 15 of us. Um, but it's about having that growth plan and knowing where you're going. And I think that's having the conversation with your team so they know we're on the same page. If nobody knows what you're thinking as a leader, then nobody understands where the potential of the company is. But if you would voice those and you say, this is our goal, this is what we want to do as a company, and you bring them into the conversation, that creates the opportunity there because they know you're on the same page. Now, if you're not looking to grow, that's a much harder conversation to have. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a couple of things you mentioned there that I want to pick out that I think were awesome. One uh, was just that uh, the communication aspect, right? So nobody knows what's in your head. And I think, you, I mean, it's easy to get caught up in that, like, oh, yeah, these are our grand plans. This is where we're going. But it's just this internal dialogue. And, uh, and if it doesn't get relayed, then, yeah, people can't see that vision and then they can't see how they get plugged into that vision, you know, their role in it. So uh, I love that you mentioned that. And then I also love the example of like doing the, the barbecues, you know, so, uh, you know, the annual Christmas party or bonuses or those things like you can work into those and you can still do those at a smaller scale when you're small, like, let's just get together. And it's a hundred bucks to get some, you know, brats and, and burgers and, you know, do that. And you're still creating, you know, that culture, um, so yeah, I, th I think those are awesome. And I kind of want to talk about just culture in general. And um, I know you got to see that culture that was built and then you you were a part of it. And I know you helped kind of uh, revitalize the company out of the downturn. Uh, are there certain elements that you feel like kind of are critical to a good culture? Is every company truly unique? And, and how do we actually act on working our, on our culture versus just thinking like, Oh yeah, I want to have a good culture. Like what, what the heck yeah. does that mean? <laughs> and so every company has a culture, right? Whether you know it or not, you have a culture and it can either be good or it can be bad. But, you know, culture, in my opinion, really starts with conversations and be, keeping people engaged. Culture isn't a, a barbecue or a Christmas party. Those are all things that help build on the culture. But the culture is really what 
the leader represents to the team. What communications are happening? Are people working together? Do you have silos? Is the, is the field completely separate than the office, right? Is, is, is the field looking at the office staff in one way with an opinion and the other way around? That, that's a bad culture to have. Or are people working together? And so it's, it's, everybody has a culture. Every company has a culture. Understanding what your culture is and how to improve on it or to build on it it is the key to that. And so you're right, you know, having those conversations, making sure your team's aligned, making sure that you guys are on the same page as far as where the company is going. Um, even, even sharing reports as far as, you know, how the company is doing, you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of the financials, but it's nice for them to understand that we're healthy, stable, what our growth was. These all things help build the culture, help build that trust and, and help build the team together. So that everybody's on the same page. And I think that's where it starts with. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I guess, do you have a couple of quick recommendations if somebody's like, huh, okay, I have a culture, maybe I just haven't thought about it or tried to define it or write it down. Are there a couple of things like, should you talk to the team? Should you reflect back on certain elements? Like how do you kind of document like, this is where I'm at for my culture today? Cause I, it sounds like that's the first step before you can actually work on improving it. I think so. It's, it's understanding what your culture is. And I think the only way to truly do that, if you don't know, if you're sitting back saying, man, I, I guess I do have a culture, but what is my culture? What is the thought? It's engaging your team, engaging your employees and, and having those one-on-one -on -one conversations and having a meaningful conversation with them and saying, Hey, what do you think about the company? What do you think about our culture? You know, do, do you see us as a team that works together? You know, do you feel siloed? Do you feel connected? And that'll really help you to understand just by asking the people that work for you. And, and I think you can really, you know, realize what your culture is quickly by seeing your attrition rate. Are you keeping people? Are you promoting people? Are you training? Those are all pieces of a culture. If you're having a lot of turnover in your company, then you probably need to look and see what is going on. Why are they turning away from you? Why are they leaving the company? Are they not seeing the opportunity? Are you not expressing that opportunity to your employees? What, what is it that, that will help, lead to those, you know, to those conclusions as to where you are with your culture. But the first and foremost is talk to your people, have a conversation with them in a meaningful way and truly engage them and ask them. And that'll help build to where you are so you can have a plan to go forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and the reason we're spending a lot of time talking about this culture piece is because a big challenge is, you know, finding talent, keeping talent, you know, and that's what everybody's talking about right now, which is the, you know, the big challenge is I can't find good labor. I can't find, you know, enough, you know, people to, to do the work that's out there. And so um, I guess maybe share some thoughts on how, how to attract those, uh, those candidates or, you know, and is it your opinion that you should go out and try to find people that have the skills or do you need to train them? And I guess just getting kind of your general thoughts on the state of, you know, the industry, so to speak, on, on this topic. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting in the world we live in today in construction. We, as a country for a long time, represented construction as kind of a fallback or a consolidation prize to, to a career. It's like, you know, if you didn't do good in school or, if, you know, if you didn't, you know, you had troubles with maybe the law, like construction is a good fallback for you. And, and we, we pushed that narrative forever. And so we are facing an issue right now where, you know, I wrote a blog, you know, entitled, it's our fault. You know, we, we've created this problem by, you know, keeping people in positions for too long, by not showing succession plans and careers, not offering benefits, not really highlighting the true craft of what construction is. 
And so it is hard. There are not a lot of people entering the industry. For every five people retiring, only one new person's coming in, right? I mean, these are wow. scary steps yeah. that are coming into our industry. So as, as much as there is a, a shortage of labor and it's going to get worse, and, and then unfortunately, it's not going to get better anytime soon, it is about attracting people to your company for who you are. And you are competing um, for this workforce to work for you rather than the guy across the street, right? And so it's it's not about hiring a bunch of people with talent. It's about finding out who you are as a company, defining again, who your what your culture is, what your plan is for the future. And then looking at the people that are in your organization first, focus on who you have on your team, who's loyal, who's been with you, who's been in the trenches, who's fought with you. Look at them first for those next steps in this career before you start bringing people in. If you just start hiring people into a broken system, it's not going to fix it. You have to have a good solid system in place before you start attracting and bringing people into your company. So it, it does focus um, with you first and where you are today and where you want to go before you can really start that process of attracting people. And then you'll have a better chance of finding good people because you know who you are and where you want to go. But if you're just broken and you think hiring people is the solution, you're going to fight through this for as long as you're in business. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our done for you social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. So it sounds like you're kind of under the opinion that, hey, if you've got some growth that you're experiencing, see if you've got some people internally that are good candidates to step into some of those maybe leadership roles or division leaders or whatever that may look like, and then pull some people in, you know, and train under them because they obviously had, you know, excelled at, at that level. Uh, yeah, do you train- find, is, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, training is key. Uh, you know, if, if you think that you're going to just go out and magically find people that fit your needs for your company that are already trained, um, you know, you're, you're kind of in a delusion of, of what's real and what's happening. You know, people who have good talents, who are good at their crafts, and this goes all the way from the entry-level labor to the senior executive business development people. This is across all spectrums. You can't expect to just hire these amazing people. If you're not investing in training and, and developing your workforce within your own company, you're really going to have a struggle if you are not already experiencing that struggle. That's something that we did really well with our company is we always brought people in and, and, and taught them new things. Now, I wouldn't call it training. Now, that's something at, my, at our company we didn't do well. Uh, we didn't have a training program. We didn't have a regimented, hey, this is what you're going to do when you do this, when you complete this section of training, you're going to get a raise and you're going to get this promotion. We didn't have that. We kind of had the old mentality of throw them in the field and tell that guy to teach him something and, and learn. <laughs> and that worked for us back then. We had a bit more buy-in. We had more people in the industry and, and we had really good people. That doesn't happen today. This next generation wants structured planning. They want structured learning. They don't want to just be thrown in the field and say, good luck. They want to know what's next. And so training is a huge part of that, but that comes into that succession planning and knowing who's on your team today and who you need in the next year, two, three, four, five years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a 
powerful topic too, just because a lot of times when we think about growth, we think about sales and marketing, right? We got to get more business, but if you can't handle the growth or you don't have the team to, to get you to that level that you're going to, I mean, even if you have all the sales and marketing in the world, if you can't deliver it or keep up with it or have the people that, you know, the training program, then it's going to be tough to grow. Is that kind of what you're seeing with companies kind of around the country that, um, that's the bottleneck it's actually in, in training and, and hiring versus, you know, the, the sales engine, so to speak. I, I believe so. I mean, I, I just recently sold my company, um, Envision Glass in October of last year to really focus on, on building careers because one, it, it's more of a passion of mine. I, I love the glass business, the, the window business. I loved our company, what we had, but I really saw an opportunity to change our industry, to make an impact and really help foster careers in construction and show opportunity and to help business owners be better at, at what they're doing. And I learned from my own mistakes. Sure. You know, we, we, we turned down, you know, we, we were about a $15 million a year company when we sold in October and I turned down over $6 million worth of work because I couldn't bring the people on to get it done. So the, the work was there. It wasn't a sales issue for us. It was a matter of could we perform on the contract and that's really where it starts. If you sign a bunch of contracts and you can't perform, well, then your sales are going to drop because people don't want to trust you anymore. So it's not, you know, necessarily, um, you know, a marketing or, or sales problem right now. I think it's more of, can you handle the work that's your way in a good quality, you know, manner that keeps your people happy? You know, my, I was working our guys, you know, 50, 60 hours a week sometimes to keep up on these projects. And that was my fault. I signed too many contracts and too much work and put us in a bind that was hurting our culture. We were making guys work overtime. They were getting exhausted. We were putting the pressure on them because I wanted the sales. I mean, that doesn't look good to them. It's right. Well, he signed all these contracts because he wants the money. Now he wants us to do the work. Right. And, and that was my fault. That was mistakes that I had made. I signed too much work. And so it's understanding your business better so you can build that workforce. And that's really... I can't, I can't stress it enough. I mean, I think the work's there, but I think we also need to focus on what we can take and, and where we want to go with our business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's awesome. Maybe this is a good time to just um, have you kind of talk about what you're doing with ground up construct and, and uh, how that works and how you're trying to solve this problem that you you've seen within the industry. Yeah. So I, I spent, um, you know, $15,000 in 2017 uh, recruiting essentially, you know, trying to attract people to our company. We had locations in, in Vegas and in Reno and we were, you know, had work coming through the door. We were spending the money to bid the work and then having to turn it away. And that's not good business practice, right? You have all these bids coming in. It's expensive to bid large projects. And then you have to say no because you didn't have the people. And my biggest frustration was these, these other job boards and, and I say job boards like indeed or ZipRecruiter and, and LinkedIn obviously is not the best place for uh, trades professionals. They just don't really exist on LinkedIn as much as they could. Um, I was spending a lot of money and not getting people who were really career minded individuals who wanted to work with us. And when I would bring them in, I didn't really have a, a plan in place to foster their career for them. I was kind of that old mentality. Hey, bring them in, throw them in the field, teach them something. And, and that was a leadership issue. That was my problem. That's where I failed in that aspect is I wasn't empowering my current employees to teach these people, to train them. And, and we had a hundred percent attrition rate on new hires in 2017 wow. and 2018. I had long-term employees that had been with the company for a long time, but anybody that was under that two year mark, we had a hundred, hundred percent attrition. And that was our fault. It was, 
not having a clear path for them, not giving them training. And I recognized that. And I also recognized there wasn't a place for me to really highlight who I was as a company to really say, this is why you want to come work for us. We have great opportunity. We have good benefits. We have 401k. Like I could put all that in a job ad, but it doesn't resonate well with somebody who's just reading a job description, right? Sure. Yeah. And so I wanted to provide a better place to promote quality companies who have this mindset. You know, in our industry today, there's great companies out there like Delta Pipeline, uh, Helix Electric. Um, you know, there's, these are some of the examples of great companies who foster training and foster their culture on building careers. And then there's companies out there who have the mentality of you're lucky to have a job. And if you don't like it, go work somewhere else. And that doesn't help our industry. That's what's hindering us. And so I wanted to create a place to really highlight the professionalism that is construction to be able to show companies that absolutely have a good culture and have good benefits and, and really give the employees, the trade professionals, a place to highlight who they are to be able to have a digital resume online and be proud of the work that they do and show the work that they do. Because if you're a, if you're an experienced skilled trade professional working for a bad company, it almost beats you down. You almost feel like you're just that another construction professional. Yeah. But when you're at a good company with good culture that appreciates your work, you have more confidence in who you are and what you do. And I think I see that a lot in our industry where construction workers kind of have that mentality of like, well, I'm just in construction. And that's not true. You are a professional at your craft. These places don't exist without you and you need to have that mentality. So we wanted to create a place for them to showcase who they are, to find the better career paths and build what's next in their career, build opportunity on your experience. Um, and so that's where Ground Up Construct came from was the lack of the narrative in the market to really promote what construction is as a career. And a lot of people are doing it and I believe we all need to work together. So whether it's, you know, ABC on a national scale, they're, uh, you know, huge, um, um, you know, um, association um, or the little mini associations within you know, Iowa skilled trades is another great one. There's a lot of people bringing the idea of trade careers up. We just need a place to, to show that and highlight it to the world so that people start looking at construction differently. And, and I truly believe that there's a, there's a misconception about our industry and about the work that we truly do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I kind of want to jump back to one of the point you kind of mentioned, you know, going through these job boards and posting different things and saying like, Oh, on indeed you could post like, here's why our company's great or here's, you know, the job listing or whatever. And you've mentioned, you know, like 401k and profit sharing, some of these different benefits. Um, maybe share some thoughts on what companies can do to, demonstrate that they are one of these companies where you can come in and build a career, but maybe you don't have the profitability or you're not the size yet to be able to offer some of those like super tangible things uh, monetarily. What are maybe some other things that, that you found are, are really enticing to somebody looking for a great company to come work for? Well, I think it starts with, you know, highlighting the opportunities you provide, you know, saying, you know, hey, come into our company, we're going to teach you, we're going to, we're going to give you opportunity to grow your career, show that succession path, uh, you know, show um, a career path for them. If you can highlight opportunity to grow, people are attracted to that. So as important as it is, and, and we're seeing this more and more to have the benefits, as we all know, super expensive for health insurance, especially for your employees. But we're seeing great companies out there, like in our town here, 3D Concrete. They pay for the employees and their family 100%. That's, 
that's expensive, right? Not every company can do that. And so, you know, it's, it's providing what benefits you can, but then also highlighting the opportunities, you know, so if you can only pay 50% of your employees health insurance, that's something that's a start to get people to buy in because as, as little companies are, the profitability may not be there to be able to afford that. But at the same time, if you can't have people that aren't interested in working for you, then there's no sense in even having, right. Even having the company. So right. It's a fine balance, especially today when the challenge for workforce is so tough, people are competing for workforce every day. So it's about highlighting what makes you different, what makes you a good employer, and really focusing on you as a company and realizing you have to live up to that. You can't yeah. just say it. You got to live up to it, right? <laughs> people, yeah. You can say all the time that people show up the next day and then it's a bad culture or you're yelling at people or it's just not a good work environment. They're not going to stay. So there's a lot of benefits to who you are as a company but that's up to you to decide why you're a good employer and just highlight those things. That's what's going to attract people to you and what's different about you. Maybe you do different types of projects. Maybe you are more flexible with your hours. Maybe you let people work from home who are estimators and salespeople instead of coming to the office. I mean, what, what are the benefits you can offer to make you different than the other people and other companies? And that is what will set you apart. Yeah. Yeah. And those are awesome examples of things that most companies can implement fairly easily. And maybe there's a lower dollar, you know, cost to it. But uh, I also liked what you talked about, just kind of painting that vision, whether it's the vision of the company and where you're going and what makes you different, but also the vision for that individual and where they could go, you know, and tying it back to here's how you can fit in here. Here's how you can contribute. You know, that's I think we overlook that a lot and it's super important, you know, having somebody come in and be like, wow, I'm going to learn some things and they understand I don't know everything, but they're okay with that. And then they're going to carve out this path and say, hey, here's what you can do if you continue to learn and grow. And like most people don't want to stay stagnant and the people, frankly, that you want at your company, you want them to want to grow, you know, and push forward. So. Um, yeah, I think those are awesome points. And I guess for people that uh, don't know much about ground up constructor, haven't heard about it before, you know, what's the best way to, you know, find you, get connected with you and kind of learn more about what you guys are up to. Yeah. So we're a, we're a new company. I've been building this company for two years, but we just launched our platform in January. And so it's groundupconstruct.com and, and we're really more of a narrative. We, we are a, a place to highlight your company. We are a place to pr- promote careers. Um, but we're also in a narrative for changing the industry and showing the opportunities that exist. So a lot of our content that goes out is focused on, you know, what opportunities look like and things to ask your employer and really helping the employer and the employee connect on a different level. So they're having a better conversation. Um, and so the web platform is, is out there and, and there's a lot of good information on there, a lot of blogs that we've written, just trying to educate the public about the careers that exist in construction and change that narrative. And the only way we can do that is by showing the good companies that exist that are shaping the future of construction. Construction is changing. There's no doubt about that. Our workforce is changing. We're going to be struggling for people in our industry for a very long time. Uh, imagine if all of a sudden we had a half million people raise their hand and say, I want to work in construction. Well, how would we train them, right? How are we going to teach them? So no matter what happens with our economy, no matter what happens with people entering the industry or not, we're still going to have a, a, an issue of, of training them. And so that's the other part of ground up that, that is really important is that we're an accredited training sponsor for NCCER, uh, which is a, a accredited curriculum in all 50 States to actually set up a training program in companies. So we can actually go into a company, awesome. train the trainer, give them the curriculum and enable these companies to put a training program in place. So they can bring new people in you. We have to bring new people into our industry and we have to be able to train them. 
we can't rely on trade schools. We can't rely on K through 12. We can't rely on our government. It's up to us, the business owners, to foster our own our own work environment and our own workforce by training. And this is a this is a, a different mindset. This has not been the case for a very long time in construction. We were always hiring people who had experience. We would throw them in the field and they would learn as they worked with us. So on the job training is not new, but having a regimented program that is followed that people understand and they have clear directives and clear uh, path to go is changing the industry. And, and it, it, there are good companies. ABC does great electrical training through their um, programs for a lot of electrical companies, but we need to do it better in all trades. So um, a training is a big part of what we want to do and help companies with as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I like just taking the onus on ourselves, you know, to, to do the training. I mean, um, you know, trade schools, sure, people can go through them and, and you know, people that do, great. They, they might have some knowledge, but I think you're always going to have the best knowledge coming from the company where you're actually doing the work and the most up to date with technology going the way it is like people that are teaching in trade schools, if they're not in it, that information gets out of date pretty quickly. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I'm fully on board with it. I, I could go on a huge rant about just education in general, like paying for higher education. You're learning from people that are 56 years old and like the information's all outdated. It's not relevant. Like everything's changed. So this puts more power in, in your hands as the business owner. Um, but also you can differentiate yourself through training. Like, Hey, we have, this is a legitimate training program. You come here, it's better than trade school. And guess what? You're going to get paid <laughs> versus yeah. having to pay for it. So, uh, I'm fully on board. I, I love it. And yeah, glad that you're, you're charging into this path and, and taking that on. So it sounds like, um, Ground Up Construct, you Google that, you'll find the website and the online platform and some blogs and stuff. Um, we'll make sure to, to link that up in the show notes for everybody yeah. too. So uh, definitely encourage people to go check that out. And um, I guess, Josh, if you could leave you know our listeners with one piece of advice as we kind of wrap up our conversation for today, what would you, uh, you want to say? Well, the industry is changing and that's with technology, that's with workforce, that's with everything. And, and I would say to any business owner out there, Take a good look at your company, where you are today and where you want to go and put a plan to it, but put the people first. If you focus on your people first, if you focus on, on, on building people, your company will, will follow and, and will be super successful. So I would say focus on your people, focus on building, on building your teams and the rest will fall into place. But our industry is about people and the more we can make them feel more professional and more welcome, the more attractive we'll be to attract more people to our industry. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, uh, Josh, thanks so much for joining me today. And yeah, thanks for what you're doing. I, I think it's super important. Thanks, Spencer. It's, it's not, it's not as sexy as some of the tech, but it's <laughs> something that we need and, and uh, workforce is important. So I, I appreciate you having us on and I look forward to keep working with you guys. Yeah. Likewise. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks, Spencer. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Josh Munns. I think there's a lot of important work to be done there. Um, I know he's working on that, but we all need to work on that internally in terms of our training programs, um, figuring out what our culture is and differentiating ourselves from the competition. So I know you're on the go. Let's kind of pull out a few action items for today. I think number one was around that culture piece. So identifying what your culture looks like today, if you don't have a good sense of that, or maybe you haven't documented, maybe starting to write that down, have some conversations with some employees and just ask them, hey, what do you think defines our culture? What does it feel like? What does it look like? And then 
jot that down, get it on paper. Cause once you've got it on paper, then you can say, Hey, I don't really like this about my culture. I think let's make this change. Let's start making some improvements. And then that leads into that whole piece around attracting and retaining talent. So uh, action item number one, see if you can define your culture and then pick out the next few moves that you want to do to improve it. And then the second action item I've got for you is look at your training program. One, do you have a training program? And if so, is it robust enough? Is there anything you could do to onboard somebody and make that experience better, bring them up to speed faster? Uh, and if you don't have a training program, maybe look at developing one, even if it's just really basic and you're just saying, hey, this is what ideally I want the first two weeks of training to look like. I want them to learn about our company and start learning the craft and, and what their role is going to be. And I'm going to set them up with somebody who's going to walk them through these four topics or whatever that looks like and, and just start small. But I think it's super, super important. And I hope that you uncovered out of this episode that something like training, it, it may seem very important to you. But on the other hand, it may seem like, ah, that's not as important. I need to get the work. I need to just get the stuff done. But that can actually lead to more growth, more sales in the future. So I think it's a kind of the one of those underlooked at uh, growth opportunities for you. So those are my couple of action items that I pulled out for today's episode. And again, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Josh Munns of Ground Up Construct. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that wanna treat their customers right, they wanna run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.